Hello everyone and welcome back to the Prism Podcast. Haley here as always and I am so grateful to have you here listening to today's episode. Before we dive into the episode, I just wanted to say that I am so excited to have this conversation about Ace of Shades and as hinted in previous episodes, I am going to be doing a guest podcast today with my friend Darsha and if you haven't already listened to some of our past episodes our conversations are absolutely amazing I always appreciate the time I get to talk about these amazing books with her and if you haven't listened to our podcast on Six of Crows and then the second book in the duology Crooked Kingdom definitely go ahead and check those out after you listen to today's episode but without further ado Let's jump right into Ace of Shades by Amanda Foodie. Hello, Darsha. Good morning and welcome back to the podcast. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Ace of Shades, which is, I think, one of the first books that I've recommended to Darsha that we've actually gotten to talk about, which is exciting. So I guess I get to see if my recommendation was spot on today or off. So that'll be exciting to talk about since Darsha previously recommended Six of Crows and that duology to me, which was great. So I hope that you enjoyed this, obviously, but bottom line is I'm excited to hear your thoughts. And so I was wondering, since there are so many diverse and really well-developed characters in this book, and they all have pretty distinct personalities, which Ace of Shades character would you be? Is there somebody who you really connect with or vibe with and you're just like, yes, I would love to be them? I mean, none of them are really in a, an ideal situation. Like, they all have hardships that they're going through. But I guess I really vibe with Levi. Like, I feel like if I was in this book, I'd probably be Levi the in that situation. How about you? Yeah, I mean, Levi's amazing. Okay, I, like, love all the characters in this book. And honestly, Levi's really cool. Um, for me personally, I'd probably see, again, there are other outside circumstances that probably don't, like, accurately... I mean, like, they do accurately represent their character, but it's not, like, an ideal childhood situation since they're all under the age of 18, I believe. But for me, I'd probably say N. <laughs> not as much in the beginning, but just kind of, like, her middle stage. And you haven't read the other two books in the series yet, right? I'm going oh. to be reading King of Fools this week. I actually just checked it out. Oh, my gosh. Yay. Okay, you'll have to let me know what you think of that. But, yeah, just N's progression throughout the entire series is just... I was almost laughing looking back on the beginning of this book because I was like, wow, there's a lot of growth here. And I don't know, it's just really fun to watch throughout the series, especially her, but Levi too, they both go through a lot more than what's in this book compared to King of Fools and Queen of Bolts, I believe is the last one. So I'd probably say N. Um, and I'm just going to sum up a couple of things and we can talk about a couple of things spoiler free and then of course dive into the spoiler since there's plenty in this book like most. Um, but we're pretty much transported into the city of Sin and our protagonist here is N. Salta and she's looking for her mother Lourdes El Faro who has been missing for months. And with her N carries the last letter she received from her mother along with a warning which says, if I don't return in two months, I'm dead. So months have passed, but now Anne has finally completed all of her classes for the academic year, and she leaves her home of Bellany, which is an island notorious for being very conservative and 20 years behind the times. 
ladylike and finds herself at the docks of the City of Sin, which is anything but proper and polite. And she searches to find Levi Glacier, I believe you pronounce his last name. And he's the person her mother said in her letter would be able to help N if anything ever came up. So as it turns out, Levi isn't much older than N herself and is the 17-year-old Lord of the Irons, which is one of the street gangs in the City of Sin. We learned that there are three street gangs, which are typically vying at each other's throats for power on the north side of the city. And these include the Irons, which is Levi's gang, as well as the Doves and the Scarhands, which we'll touch on later. Um, but circling back to Levi, we learn that he's just been caught in a scam where he promises investors a return on their money. But each time he gets a quote unquote investor involved, he passes their money on to the next person who he owes them the return on their investment and pockets a bit of the money for himself. So essentially murky illegal waters and Levi's about to be in deep trouble with Cedric Torin, who is his last investor and one of the most dangerous and influential figures in the city. Unless he can come up with 10,000 volts, which is the currency used in the novel, and that is no small sum of money. So, and meanwhile, has just been chased by two white boots, which are what they call the police officers, leaving her baggage abandoned in the harbor to follow a member of the Irons back to Levi. Here, she explains to Levi that Lourdes said he could help her after Lourdes helped Levi four years prior to get out of a situation, so he had owned her a favor. While Levi, the street lord and con man, would rather be doing anything else but to help ladylike sheltered N, when she offers him 10,000 volts in exchange for finding Lourdes, he accepts. So the two of them, N and Levi, set out searching across the city for Lourdes and hidden truths that would prefer to be kept in the shadows. And of course, if you can't tell by the cover and by what I've just said, it's a very high stakes novel and they find themselves cornered to play a game that always ends in death. So I just tried to sum it up you know, spoiler free, pretty much what we learn in the first couple of chapters and pages. And Darsha, I mean, right here, I feel like we should just elaborate a little bit more on a couple of things that don't give too much away. But do you have any general thoughts on like pacing or things that bothered you, the author's writing style, really anything spoiler free that we can answer for listeners who haven't yet read this book? Okay, I guess I'll start off by saying thank you. This was a great recommendation, and I really, really liked the book. Yay! Um, <laughs> I would definitely give it like a 4.5 out of 5 for my total rating. And as for pacing, I really liked it, because while it was upbeat, it did take moments to like slow down and like develop the characters. Um, as for, you know, general plot points, without giving anything away, I do think that they were kind of predictable, but they were definitely one or two that threw me for a loop. So it was a really good read. Okay, yeah, wonderful. I definitely agree. I mean, I think you and I have both read so much that by now, I think it's almost impossible to give us plot twists that we don't completely predict, but there definitely were a couple. And I can promise you that at least in the last book, which is Queen of Volts, and by far like the most heartbreaking and amazing for me, but there are quite a few plot twists that I didn't see coming. So I do agree with you on that point. And pacing for me was pretty spot on. I mean, a lot of people do compare this to Six of Crows, which I don't really think it, like there definitely are similarities, but it's not like as similar, I guess. Like there are, I feel like the setting's kind of similar to Ketterdam. I don't know if you got that vibe, but it's almost like that 
like Las, like dangerous Las Vegas <laughs> meets New Orleans type of vibe. Um, but yeah, I just really enjoyed the world building, which I can touch on briefly. But there was a lot of history that she involved in the beginning of the book. And I realized just even going back through and reading this after I read the whole series, there's a lot that I didn't pick up the first time. So I mean, I usually don't go back through and read books twice since there's so many books that I want to get to. But if you ever do have the chance, like maybe next year, next summer, since we're recording this summer of 2021, just go back because a lot of the history, I was like, wait, whoa, like that makes sense now. Um, and there's like a lot of little things, like little hints that are dropped about things that'll happen in the future. And I was just like, this is really good. I didn't even realize that. So as the history aspect, I just really think that it's cool that we're introduced to so much in just the few chapters of the book, in the first few chapters. And just going back and reading it a second time, it was really enjoyable, which is nice because sometimes I feel like I go back and read the same books and there's nothing new. So some of the history that we learned is that Levi's family was originally from Karoko, and this was one of the seven kingdoms ruled by the misers. So the misers were similar to monarch figures and they had these powerful talents of mysteries and we can dive into like the talent slash magic system a little bit in the spoiler section but it was really interesting to find out that during the miser's reign it was very they're pretty much tyrants and they required all citizens to be classified on the social hierarchy scale based on talents of aptitude which are talents like ends which are like dancing or arithmetic and this just means that like anybody can practice those things and eventually become good at them while talents of mystery can't be learned and those are kind of like the magical abilities and the misers were eventually overthrown because they had very strict regulations on who you can marry and what you could do and all of these different strict regulations and they were eventually murdered but it was just really nice to get that history right away so that was just something that i appreciated um let's see trying to think if there's anything I feel like we should leave the characters because there's a lot of spoilers with the characters so let's leave those for the spoiler section and just trying to think also I don't know if you appreciate the world building as much as I did but just like all the different streets in the city I thought were really interesting because every street had like a different personality and all the buildings that they went to were very distinct and like the markets that moved around and kind of like the constant battles like politically between what they called like the wig heads and then like the gangs and like the white boots which were the police I just thought that it was a really cool description wise and I don't know was that like a big thing for you or were you just like appreciating that it was there that was definitely a big thing for me given the fact that in a lot of other books I can often get lost like what building am I in now where am I you know where are the characters because sometimes it can all become muddled or blend together but everything was so descriptive and distinct and while they all fit in the same like I guess vibe of the city they all had their different like unique presence which made it like really cool to see like the transitions and definitely one of the best instances I've seen of world building. Oh yeah okay I'm happy to see that you liked that as much as I did because I was looking on Goodreads just to see if there were any like points that a lot of people were making that we could touch on but some people complained that they felt like they were thrown into the city and like too much like that they didn't get enough out of it and they were just confused and that wasn't the case for me I thought that she did a good job but did you think it was too overwhelming or was it a good balance? I agree with you I believe it was a good balance because I was never lost or I was never like 
confused or had to reread or go back a few chapters to see where they are, what street they're in, or what building they're in. So I personally found that it was really descriptive, and I think she did a good job with that. Okay, wonderful. I'm happy we're on the same page. I mean, even if we weren't, but like the world building was just so great. You can't deny it. Um, and then also, something that was really interesting too is, I know you know this because of Six of Crows, but you know how they have like their made up curse words. They also had a couple of those in Ace of Shades. And I personally love the fact that they came up with these fake, fake curse words like shafts and I was looking at Goodreads too, and apparently that annoyed so many people, and I just don't get it. Like, I just think creativity points, and it helps immerse the reader in the setting more, but just like, what were your thoughts? Because some people were so annoyed and like gave the book two stars because of the curse words, and I was just like, what? I appreciate all those like idiosyncrasies and like small little details that like set their world apart from ours, you know? Because when you delve into like a fantasy fiction book, it's obviously different, but they're set in similar, like, settings. They have buildings, they have streets, and you can often, you know, get lost with the fact that it's a completely different world, and I love all those small little details that make it, you know, like, it's separate, but it's still funny enough where you feel immersed in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even just touching on that note, like, they still have, like, their buildings, and, like, they still, like, have these places that you can go and gamble, and it's very similar, but yet different, and just like a little detail that I loved was just the names of the different drinks because I mean it is a casino so like there's a lot of different alcohol drinks which I guess like if anybody is averse to that like it's not like it's like in a bad way it's just they always talk about drinking in this book like I don't know it's just always present but they had different drinks like snake eyes and gambler's rune and I didn't even realize this the first time that I read through but there was this hangover concoction that Levi was making one morning after he was like gambling and had too much to drink and it's called the walk of shame and I just love that so much so it's the small details here that I just agree make like the immersion in the world so much better so that was just a fun little thing and just trying to look through my notes to see if oh okay here's one more thing that we can touch on before we head into the spoilers since I know we always have more to talk about in the spoilers um but did you think it was too difficult to follow all of the characters because we're introduced to quite a few different characters and not just a few there's a lot so it's not just the street lords of each gang but it's like their seconds and thirds along with several other individuals like cedric torin and bianca augustine who are pretty much members of these giant casino families and their rivals which we can touch on a little bit later and then there's also all these other members of the gangs that don't have leadership positions. So did you think it was too hard to follow or were you able to manage everything? I mean, I definitely chose characters to focus on, like Levi, um, Chez, Bianca, Cedric, and Lola. Like I, I got those characters and I kind of like stuck with them. The rest of the characters, I appreciated that they were there because you know, these are gangs and these are cities. There's obviously, like, a huge population and, like, tight groups of people. But I did not focus on them so much because I didn't feel like they'd be playing into the story. Yeah, that's very true. And, I mean, I have, I won't talk about this as much. I guess we can touch on it in the spoiler section. But there were a couple of people that I honestly forgot existed. And then they were in this book. And I was like, oh, like, okay, that person was there. Like, that person was alive. And so it was just interesting just to go back, but I agree. There are like the main characters and then if you have the mental space to pay attention to the other people, it's great. But 
yeah, they're definitely the core group, I would say. So good to know. And I know that some people do struggle with that if they don't read a lot of fantasy or books that have a lot of characters. So just a heads up if you're just like, I can't manage to follow 20 characters at once. Just a little warning. Um, okay, Darsha, do you have any other questions or comments that we could touch on that aren't spoilers? Otherwise, we can head into the spoiler realm. Let's head into the spoiler realm, because everything I have to ask you about has to do with, like, specific details. <laughs> I know. I love it. Okay, so this is your warning, everyone, that if you haven't read Ace of Shades yet, you will want to pause this episode here, or if you just don't care about spoilers and you want to continue the conversation, by all means, keep on listening, because we are about to dive into the realm of spoilers, which is always great, and there are so many plot twists and amazing things that happen. So Darsha, I know that you have some things that you are probably dying to ask me based on the expression on your face. And I know you guys can't see Darsha, but Darsha, I will let you lead and ask away. I guess my first question for you, or rather hint I'm asking for, because I'm yet to read the last two books, is um, in this book, we find out about like her parents, her you know actual parents, and that the fact that they might be still alive. And at the end of the book, we also get to see Bianca's son Harrison decide to come back into the mix. Do we get to find more about those like three characters throughout the rest of the series? Because I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, I'm trying to... So for Anne's lineage, there's definitely, I feel like most of that took place in this book, but there's still a couple of other like secrets about that. And I think that her story about like her heritage and like her mom and like obviously like Lourdes and her real parents, so to say, biological parents. Um, there is still going to be things that unwind with that, but the majority of that aspect was still in that book. However, talking about Harrison, um, Harrison is coming back. Yeah, Harrison plays a pretty big war role. And yeah, he's an interesting one. You'll, you'll like the other books. And he definitely does play a more predominant role in the next books. And just, yeah, you'll like it. I, there's definitely, I mean, I keep on saying this, but the last book, there's a lot that happens with Bianca's family and Harrison. And then even with the Torrens, I don't know if you were familiar with that, but it says, let's see, Cedric's cousins, I believe. He has two cousins that were briefly mentioned in here, but they will also make a little appearance, which is unexpected in a lot of different ways. So yeah, definitely stay tuned because there's a lot of cool like family relationships that come back. Okay, I can't wait then. I'm like, after this, I'm going to go read the book like immediately. <laughs> Yay! Um, I guess my next question is, um, as for like character pairings, what characters did you like the interactions between the most? Ooh, okay. I'm happy you asked this because I just wrote down, I was rereading this yesterday and Sunday because we're recording this on a Tuesday, but for some reason, I thought that I could reread the entire Ace of Shades book in like two hours, but you know, it was good. It was good. So <laughs> I wrote down this little banter between Anne and Levi because, I mean, they're our protagonists. Like, they're bound to have good conversations. So I just wrote down a little quote. But for example, when Anne is questioning if Lourdes told her the truth about being a Salta and wants to consult a blood gazer, she says to Levi, I want to go. And Levi retorts with, then convince me. You sound like you're asking for my permission. I don't need your permission, but you want it. And I think it's a terrible idea. And then Anne's like, don't I look like I could have an acrobatics talent? And Levi says, I'm not arguing that you're not short enough. Anne's nostrils flared. You're intolerable. 
And then Levi just concludes with, I'd rather not see the headlines tomorrow. Murdered girl's body found washed up in the Brint. Intolerable, I know. So that's just like a little snippet of their conversation. And it's just so good throughout the whole novel. So obviously, Anne and Levi. And then I know it's not as prevalent in this book, but I have a feeling you're really going to like the dynamic between Anne and Lola in future books. Um, and then just Jack and Levi too in future books, like their history expands upon more because in this book, I'm trying to remember, but it didn't touch a lot on Jack's history, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, because Jack's history will definitely be more explored and it's just really great to dive more into his character in the next two books. But in this book, I'd say Anne and Levi were probably the predominant like pairing, I guess, that I liked the most. Um, but what about you? Who are your faves? I had Anne and Levi written down as well. I think their interactions are like so interesting, especially the one that you just quoted. And I love how she took his gun without his permission <laughs> and then went off. I thought that was like the best scene. And I also had Anne and Lola's uh, written down because I loved how like Lola started off like literally wanting to kill Anne <laughs> and they ended up being like close friends like towards the end of the book. So I'm looking to see how that progresses. Yeah, there's definitely, oh my gosh, there's just so much to happen in, I don't even know, like thousand pages more, we'll say, between the next two books, but it'll be great. So trying to think if there's anybody else. Um, yeah, I did like the inner monologue, though, just like Anne's thoughts, too, because she did, like, she kind of has like this back and forth between her where she's just like, wait, is this really me? Or is this just like the city corrupting me? Or like, is this me because she was raised on a bunch of lies pretty much by her mom not telling her everything and honestly finding out that her lineage is pretty much inaccurate from what her mom told her so i did appreciate just like being able to hear n's thoughts as well um, i think i had one more question written down for you yes so i was on goodreads before i checked out the book because i wanted to see like general thoughts about it um and one of the things I heard were like a clash between some readers is some people did not like the underlying yes or no romance between Anne and Levi, and some people loved it. I wanted to know your thoughts on that. Okay, so the rom oh, okay. <laughs> this is hard because I'm trying not to reveal anything in the future books. Um, but I think for them, it fits because their personalities, I feel like it's very much a light switch. Like, it's either, like, on and, like, they're wanting to be in a relationship or it's just, like, off and they're just, like, no. Like, there's no really in-between, especially with N. She's very much so, like, okay, I either, like, want to pursue this with Levi or then she's, like, wait, no, like, I don't want that. I want to go back to Bellamy. I want to find my mom and, like, that's not me. I don't want him. Like, no. So, I don't know. I, it didn't bother me per se, like, there definitely wasn't as much of a spark, I feel like, of romance, not even just between them, but between other characters in general in this book, and that will definitely progress um, in other books, like, with other characters as well, but I don't know. It personally didn't bother me. What about you? I just thought it was fitting for their characters. It didn't bother me, but I didn't think it was necessary, if that makes sense. I think it would have been fine without you know, the underlining tones of, like, shall I be in a relationship? Shall I not be? Do I like him? Do I not like him? But I was definitely not annoyed by it, and I I felt like the way the author went about it was 
like you said, fitting for the characters. Because if they had gotten into a relationship in this book, I definitely 100% would not have bought it. <laughs> so I appreciated how it was, like, they stay connected as, I guess, partners in what they're doing and trying to accomplish. And they, the romance or um, that fact never took away from, like, the main plot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that just, like, honestly, such a strong romance in this book, it doesn't fit right away, if that makes sense, because they do go through so much, and all the characters, they have much more in-depth histories that you'll get to find out about, but, like, it just doesn't make sense that somebody like N, who just, like, found out that her whole life's been alive, pretty much, and Levi, who's been through so much with, like, all of these things weighing on his chest, and they both have some pretty rocky family history, so I just don't think it would make sense for that to be super strong in this book. So I agree. And just know that throughout the series, just in all relationships, like especially the romantic ones that come, it's, it makes sense. Like it's not very much like, okay, like I'm in love with you. Like everything's like very like wishy-washy, like not in a bad way, but it's just very real because everybody's going through different things. And obviously in this world, there's a lot of killing and like, you know, unexpected life events that happen. So I just love the real aspect. And again, I don't think it would have felt real if that happened. And they're just like, okay, I love you. The end. Like that just doesn't fit the book. So I agree. I also think it's important to consider like the timeline of this book because with some people complaining about like how I heard some people uh, complaining about how they, there was a lack of romance. And I'm like, this book does take place over the course of like a week and a couple of days <laughs> like, exactly yeah it takes place in 10 days and I mean even the transformation that we see in N in 10 days like if you look at the end of the book like the end of this book to see who N is after 10 days versus the girl who got off the ship in the harbor you're like it's like a little brochure and now she's like completely changed and we're confident in herself and I think that you know, they're going through so much, like, personal growth, and she's still finding about about her heritage and where she stands in this kind of city, that I agree with you, a relationship would not have made sense, but the fact that it was not included, but was still, like, there were still underlying tones of it, it did not take away from the story, so I agree with you on that point. Yeah, okay, great, so you're going to love that, I need to hear your thoughts, and I'm sure we'll have to podcast again on the other books in the series, because it's just so great, and honestly, like, I know that Jack wasn't as prevalent in this book, like, he definitely had his time, and so was Lola, but you're just going to grow to love those two so much more, um, that's all I can say, everybody's great, so yeah, I'm really excited for you to read that, but I also just had a question, and I don't know if this was ever figured out in this book, or I'm sure it was in the other two, but I read those a year ago, so I forgot. But did we ever figure out where Lourdes got those millions of volts from in the bank account and, like, whatever happened to those? We did not find it out in this book. Okay, because I'm sure it had to be revealed in the past books, like, not past, the next books in the series. But I was just like, what happened to that? Because I completely forgot or just don't remember that part of the book, so interesting I guess I'll have to go back there and read these again too but also I wanted to know your thoughts on the whole concept of the omerta or omerta not really sure how you say it um or the unbreakable binding oath well it definitely threw me for a loop when I found out that Bianca could like put one of those out and I thought it was also interesting how she could only have three out at a time 
and that she would like have one on NA because I did not expect that at all. And when I found out that Levi had one too, I'm like, that makes a lot more sense. Cause I was not, I was like, where is this going um, in the plot? But when I found out that she had one on Levi, I thought that was really interesting. And I want to find out how her son Harrison thinks about all this. I thought that would be very interesting. But what's your thoughts on it? Okay, yeah, well, just on Harrison, you'll find out all of his motives very clearly in the next couple of books. And I mean, not very clearly, but by the end, you will know what role he plays, which is exciting, honestly, because Bianca is, she's a character, honestly. Bianca, we'll need to touch on the characters in a second. But yeah, I just thought that it was a really interesting concept. And I'm not going to say much, but they briefly mentioned it a couple of times. But when they're meeting with Zula Slick, I think that's her name, she was just like, oh, you're his, you're her other boy. So like, I don't know, it's interesting to see who has the other Omerta, and that's going to be something that's revealed too, because little, little hints, but yeah, it's really interesting, that whole concept, and yeah, I mean, just, I think it's interesting to find out what Bianca does with that, and then just also, like, it'll be interesting for you to find out, like, what Harrison does with that, and then also the Torrens, too, like, explore more of their family, um, because the Har not Harrisons, that's not their last name, <laughs> but Bianca and Harrison and Cedric Torrin, especially, they all have this very interesting relationship, not even politically, but just, like, as owners of rival casino families, so, yes, there's lots of intrigue and, like, different political intrigue, too, so I'm excited. Now I'm, like, scrolling on my library account, like, where's the next book I have to check it out? Oh, yeah, I know. It's so good. I need to get the last book because I have these two. I have my little book here. Um, in paperback, I have the first two, but I do need to get the third book on hard copy. So, okay, cool. I like your thoughts on that. And then, let's see, I think, okay, I have a couple of different things to touch on, but let's just go through the characters because, like, Let's just start out with, honestly, who did you like, Darsha? Who did you not like? Was there, like, a reason why? Were you just like, okay, I can't stand this person. Just throw it all at me. <laughs> I want to know more about Cedric. I wasn't totally on board with his character in this book just because we didn't really get to delve more into who he is and, like, his beliefs and his background. I definitely loved and I loved Levi. I was very intrigued by Bianca. Like, as a reader reading this, I kind of like low-key didn't like her, but I appreciated her character, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I appreciated Jack, and I really liked Lola. Chez threw me for a loop. I didn't, you know, he was like rebellious through a couple of chapters, but I did not expect him to completely turn on Levi, and that like really threw me, and I'm not sure how I feel about him, but I thought that was really interesting because what Levi was doing was definitely wrong. Like, you're not supposed to steal from your own gang and to pay off, like, your mistakes. But I don't know. Now, what do you think about those characters, especially Chez? I want to hear your thoughts about him. Well, I love uh, – I mean, I agree with you on Chez. He's the one character – what I wrote, I put Chez. What a brat. Honestly, he's a kid, and he thinks he's so entitled to be the Iron Lord. And I don't know. I just don't – like him honestly I just like thought that he was being very 
like cocky almost like I don't know his character just didn't sit well with me and like yes obviously what Levi was doing was wrong but like full-on like trying to kill him like that's not okay honestly I mean it just didn't I don't know I never vibed with him so I agree with that Chez was not my favorite um just coming from somebody who's read like the whole series and again like I don't remember all like the minuscule details but as a whole Zula was an interesting character um just she's very mysterious and she knows a lot and I feel like she's almost like the mysterious Dumbledore of the series who's just like the old wise one who just like knows so much but it's just like I can't tell you I can't tell you so like a more like withheld Dumbledore if that makes sense but Zula's interesting throughout the whole series um and of course I liked N. I thought she was a really good protagonist and I think really one of the most important things about what makes a good protagonist is the growth and again not throughout this book but throughout the entire series she grows so 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 much and again I almost laughed just looking back at this beginning of the book and seeing the stark contrast because in the final book you're going to be like oh is this the same person and it's great I mean I think readers just love seeing that much growth and then Levi just like also cool I like the vibe between him and N a lot and throughout the book they consistently just have like this relationship with each other that makes everything interesting because it's like very turbulent like with them it's never consistent it's not like they're just like friends it's like okay like I'm sympathizing with you tonight and then I'm like hating you in the morning and then like I kind of need you in the afternoon and it's just like a very up and down relationship which is nice so that was cool and then Bianca I feel like as a reader you're just like ugh, Bianca but like her character needs to be there honestly for the story and I'm trying to remember back to the other books, but I mean, you just get to know more about everybody in the entirety of the series, and Bianca's character did need to exist, and yeah, I don't know, I just, there wasn't anybody who I felt like was underdeveloped, per se. Was there anybody that you just felt like was lacking, that you're just like, what happened, or did you think that everybody was pretty solid? I mean, I feel like all the main characters in this book were pretty solid. I know, you know, from what you've said and then from what I just thought would happen in the next couple of, you know, two books, I do think some of those characters need to be, like, pushed out more and, like, furthered. But I'm really excited for that because you said we will be getting that description and that, like, delving into their background. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, it's kind of like Six of Crows 2, where you're just like, trust me, you'll you'll like Kaz and Inej by the end, because, like, the growth in the second book was, like, they still grew, but emotionally it was even more prevalent in the second book, and it's just kind of the same thing in this series, if we're comparing it, just the growth continues, which is good, because it's always disappointing when you start a series, and the first book is so good, and then the other ones just don't live up to it, and that is not the case, so no worries there. And then something else I also wanted to ask you about was your thoughts on the talent system and like their magic system in the book. Really interesting, especially in the beginning, because I might be describing this wrong because I'm not going to remember completely. But when N, she gets off, was it the train? She has to like do the stamp and like confirm her talent. Do you remember that part? Yeah. So when she gets off the boat, she's given like this paperwork. And I remember... It's, it's very interesting that Lourdes is like a monarchist um, anonymous writer because ends all like this is so old and like outdated and like this is so strange but yeah she has to like confirm her talents on the sheet of paper 
Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because it's kind of like, I mean, this is a really weird comparison, but if you're like traveling abroad and you need to declare like, I don't know what kind of luggage you have, it's something that's kind of like set in stone and just like accepted part of that world. So that, I thought that was interesting. I also was a bit confused at the beginning because, um, you know, certain talents, like you mentioned, they're almost like hobbies if they make sense or just things that you're like naturally good at like arithmetic or dancing um but there's more like prevalent talents like creating bolts and stuff that's more magical and I liked seeing like the contrast between the two and how it's like completely separate and how often people from both sides clash I thought that was interesting yeah definitely I thought it's so cool it's very unique too because it's not just like your basic elemental magic like ooh, fire water like it's not your basic magic and it's really fun to learn more about the system throughout the series and again going back and reading this i think that it's really interesting um just to see everybody's talents because they do mention them a little bit in this book so we learn that every character has two talents based on their family names so one's from their mom and one's from their dad and their split talent is the first one, which is less prevalent, while the first and sh- or like the second and stronger gift is called their blood talent. So like, for example, like N's blood talent, which is fake, but you know, um, Salta is like a dancing family, which is a skill that can be learned by anybody. But like Levi's blood talent is being an orb maker. And like, that's more like, I don't know, just like mystical, like magical. So it is really interesting. And just, yeah, it's really interesting to learn more about that from the characters throughout the series. So I'm happy you liked that system too, because I thought it was pretty original. And then, okay, I also wanted to see, because I completely, I read this entire series, and this is going to be kind of embarrassing to admit this, but I read the entire series, and I was like, why did they call Levi Pup again? Like, where did he get that nickname? Did you pick that up? Because I picked it up in the first book, and I was like, oh, that makes more sense. I remember him being called that, but I completely forgot why. No, that's so good, too, because, like, I completely, I mean, I went reading these three books without, like, realizing why, and I was just like, this makes sense. So, filling everybody in who probably didn't realize it, like we did, or if you did, kudos, but it was mentioned within the first couple of chapters, but he renamed, received this name because he can sense auras, which is, like, his split talent, so it's not as strong, but he has like this sixth sense of being able to see auras that people think that he can smell their auras like a bloodhound. So he got the nickname Pup because like he supposedly can smell people's auras like a bloodhound. And he just like notoriously grumbles about this throughout the series, which I love. And also like something else cool, touching on the talents, but Raymond, I, for (laughs) poor Raymond, honestly, poor Raymond, but like I love that his blood talent was being able to see through any lie, and I just thought that that was so cool. Like, how handy would that be to be able to see through any lie? So, very cool. That would also be really dangerous, though. Like, in today's world, being able to see through any lie, I feel like that'd be scary, because you would know, but, like, no one else around you would know, and being able to, like, I'm delving so into this, but I feel like being able to handle, like, the truth and, like, the true intention of, like, the person would just be really interesting. (laughs) Honestly, yes. I mean, there. oh my gosh, I can't wait for you to read the rest of this book. Because, like, I think Harvey was touched on a little bit in this book, but he was, like, the chainer. Like, I think that's, like, the term 
were like do you remember like the people who were like chained to the street because they owed like a debt or something oh yes I remember that. yeah but he's interesting too and it's just yeah I don't know I just think that the talent system is so interesting because as you're introduced to new characters like you find out what they can do and it's just I don't know it's cool and everybody has like their own thing like I don't really think that there's many repeats which is again cool so last thing I have to ask you before we give like our final like trigger warning slash like rating I guess I wanted to know what you thought of the shadow game concept because it's something that if I remember correctly will believe to continue to play out throughout the series or just have like lingering effects but yeah, just what what did you think about the whole concept? I thought it was really interesting and in how I mean gambling is a really prevalent um, you know, like topic in this book and having a game with just as high stakes but a completely different like concept was really interesting. And I was you know, looking to know more about it because I don't know if you'll remember, but at the end when NA and Levi are playing the game she can like sense that it's like a song and its rhythm gets off and it's like broken. And I thought that was really interesting how it was almost like she said there was almost like a presence while she was playing the game, like watching her every move. And then once it's broken, she was able to like break the rules and like shoot the clock. And I thought that was really interesting. But what do you think about that? Yeah, I, again, need to go back there and read the series because now I'm like remembering things like I remember like the gist and certain things that happened but then there's still like blocks and I think that that's normal as somebody who reads a lot and then you go back a year later to a book that you haven't read in a long time and you're like oh what did happen there but just the whole concept I thought it was just so neat and I just have to ask you really quickly like was the phoenix club clear to you because I was a little bit confused about what the phoenix club was like I got like the general gist that Obviously, like, there was, like, the Phoenix Club, and they had, like, the shadow game, and it had been, like, closed, like, whatever house. It hadn't been open since, like, the revolution or, like, the war and the fall of the misers. But just, like, who they were exactly, I felt like that was a little bit difficult, and she didn't really elaborate on that much. Yeah, like you said, I got the gist of it, and I'll probably reread the series again um, since you recommended it after I finished the last two books. I'll, like, wait a bit and reread it, but it wasn't that prevalent like who they were exactly and like how it kind of came to be if that makes sense like it gave its roots but it didn't give like the why if that makes sense yeah I was um kind of confused there and also kind of confused about like how the shadow game takes like that big hold of everyone like I get the magical aspect of um you know this world there is that like magical aspect and that like mysterious aspect but I didn't get how you know when they'd deal out the cards it would trigger like a memory if that makes sense yeah I know that for sure there will be answers to some of those things and like it's going to be further explored but I mean like I definitely like the concept and I think that the memory aspect was really cool like based on the card like what you would see but yeah I think Part of that is she purposely did that. I mean, like, if I was the author, I would purposely do that to further explore, like, those concepts. But, I mean, the game as much didn't bother me. But, like, again, like you said, the why of the Phoenix Club, I was like, did I miss something? Or I'm sure that that will be, like, again, further explored, if I'm remembering correctly. But, yeah, there was definitely a little bit of, like, uh, huh, like, who are these people again? Like, I know who you are, but, like, what's your why? I feel like that's what it comes down to. 
Okay, um, I think I have everything that I wanted to ask you about um, for Ace of Shades, but do you just want to head into trigger warnings and then our final ratings? I mean, this book does include a bit of gore, and I think that's one of the main trigger warnings I'd give out, but what would you include? Yeah, I mean, like, there definitely is violence. I mean, it's, like, city, like, it's not, like, like, I guess, like, there's gangs in the city. Like, it's not, again, like, it's a fantasy world, so I feel like it, there's definitely gruesomeness, but I feel like compared to other books that I've read, it's, there's gruesomeness, but it's not, like, they don't rattle on about it for paragraphs on end. It's more, like, okay, like, descriptive. right, it's more just, like, this happened, and it's not as much, like, you know, just details. It's more just this happened and then, like, continued the plot because the pacing was always pretty, like, it did slow down to delve into a couple of characters, but when action was happening, things moved very, very, very fast. So I would say just, like, gore, I guess, too, because some people are sensitive to that. Um, trying to think. Hmm. I don't remember anything else, like, very prevalent. Um, again, as the series goes on. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about some of the other books, but in this book, I think pretty much the only thing that you should be aware of is just that violence, and then also, I mean, like, there is alcohol, and, like, there is, like, a mention of drugs, but it's that aspect, like, the drug aspect that isn't dove into in this book. Um, it is later in the series, because, like, the casino families, like, they own, like, these drugs that they distribute, um, but that's not talked about in this book. And I mean, like, they talk about alcohol and, like, just, like, getting drunk, but it's not, like, a center focus. It's more just, like, side, like, that's just something that they're doing while they're, like, trying to get clues about something. Would you say that that's accurate, Darsha? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I don't think this book had that many um, triggers, like, personally, like, anything. Um, yeah, there was violence, but, I mean, compared to Six of Crows, it wasn't as descriptive. And, you know, there was alcohol, but it wasn't really alcoholism. It's just, you know, the mentions of it just set the tone of the atmosphere. So I personally don't believe this had that many trigger warnings, but there are slight mentions of stuff like alcohol and drugs and a bit of gore, but that's just me. Right, yeah. I think definitely if you read Six of Crows in terms of violence and that didn't bother you, you are absolutely okay for the series. Like, I can say that pretty much with confidence. Um, but yeah, I don't think that anything was too bad. And for age, I'd probably say like 14 up. Would you agree with that? Yep, 14 up. That sounds okay. good. Sweet. Okay, we're just like agreeing on everything today. Super easy. I mean, we almost always do. We have very similar perspectives yet different comments, which is always so fun to talk about. Um, but Darsha, what's your final rating and comments for Ace of Shades? For this book alone, because I haven't read the other two, I'd give it a 4.5 out of 5 just because I'm looking to see a bit more about a few characters and waiting for it all to come together, but like 10 out of 10 recommend it. Like, thank you so much for recommending this to me. It was like such a good book. Oh, yay. Okay. I'm so happy. I was like, I think that Darsha will love this because again, it's like similar to Six of Crows, but different. Like, I don't know. I could just tell that you'd like it. So I'm happy that you loved it as much as I do. And for me, I'd probably say a 4.75. Again, probably influenced by my view of like the series as a whole, but I know that this was 
I think I can say confidently, probably my favorite series that I read last summer. And I do read a lot during the summer, so that's saying a lot. Um, but yeah, it's just, I really couldn't find many things to complain about in this book. And yes, I know that you are like, I need more answers. And yes, those are coming. So like, I can promise you that you will get like clarity on certain things and it's going to be great for the rest of the series. So I can say confidently 4.75. And again, as I recommend it to Darsha, I'd recommend it to all of you. So yeah, thank you, Darsha, for today's episode. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And if you have anything else to recommend after we finish the series, please do, because I'm living for these books. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay, I actually have a whole list, and I just thought of a book today to recommend you, so we can definitely chat afterwards. But yes, thank you for today's episode, Darsha. Loved having you. Oh, wasn't that episode so great? I love talking to Darsha about Ace of Shades, and I hope that all of you loved that episode as much as I did. If you're still looking to support the podcast in an even greater way than just listening to these episodes, it would mean the world to me if you could go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review and just write a couple of sentences or even just a little blurb about why you love the Prism Podcast, whether it's your favorite episode, favorite moment, or just general thoughts about the podcast. I'd love to get feedback from each and every one of you, and it's the best way to support the podcast. Thank you again for tuning in today's episode, and I will see you again shortly.